All right, you ready? Well, what are we doing first? We're doing we're jumping into the Metacast. Yeah. Product ownership. Product ownership. What makes it what makes it excellent? Yeah. What does a rock star product owner look like? Bob Galen. No, no, not me. No, no. I have a moose on my head, for God's sakes. That's not. No, I can't take me seriously. Ready? You ready? Ready. 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 Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Yes. And we've got a good one queued up oh, for them. Oh, we are happy. And you hear that hammering and everything going on in the background? That's that's applause, I think, Josh. That's the expansion of our space here. Are the you dude, expanding? We are doubling in size. Oh, in come on. Yes. I didn't know what that was. Yes. Is that what that is? We are, yeah. Boo? Yeah. yeah you yeah. guys go. So we're sorry if you hear that noise in the background during the podcast, but that's all good it's, noises. It's good noise. It's yeah. growth. Everyone, there's growth. Yeah. Growth is good. Yeah. So, so Josh, um, what's so going on in the land of Metacast? Intro, um, Patreon again. We're selling that. We need help. We need partners. So scalability partners help us make this happen. We want to make this a video cast. Ooh, video. Yes, video cast. We want more channels, but to do that, we need your help. We need your help. So click on the link. So if you like what we do, help us. Uh, get the word out. Yes. Throw some throw some buckaroos our way. Whatever you can do. Uh, you know, cut down on your Girl Scout cookies and contribute to the Metacast. No. Yes. 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 All right. Stop we will, smoking. We will make if you it stop worth your or while. vaping or whatever it is. Whatever it whatever is. Whatever it is. Whatever bad habit you have. Cut back on it. Yeah. And send the scotch our way. Or <laughs> <laughs> That's a secret button on Patreon <laughs> to <laughs> donate scotch. Donate scotch button. <laughs> so, so we, no, in all seriousness, we would appreciate any support you all. If we're providing value to you, uh, provide some, you know, give us some support. We'd, we really appreciate that. Right. Okay. So, from aside the Metacast. Where are you and I going to be in the November, December, late 2016, early 2017? So the only frame? thing, it's the end of the conference season. So um, at the end of October, you and I are, in, you know, we're, which is probably past when this goes. We're mm-hmm. at Southern Fried Agile. In the first, second week of November, I'll be in Orlando at Agile Development Practices, mm-hmm. Better Software, doing a workshop. I'll be there for three or four days. There's a leadership uh, summit on Friday of that week. Uh, that's an extra paid thing. I'll be participating in the leadership summit. So uh, any leaders listening in, uh, if, if if that floats your boat, you could look at TechWell. Uh, that's a national conference. Uh, other than that, I'm just sort of pooping out for the year. We're uh, uh, getting our, our stuff together for the Scrum Gathering in the spring of 2017. I'm, fingers crossed. I've submitted some stuff. You've I've submitted, submitted some, some stuff. stuff. Yeah. We're, you know, we're going to, with luck... And who's who's the young man? We have to twist his arm. Uh, the volunteer, Vic. Vic, yeah. We have to twist Vic's Vic arm. Vic of Agile Coffee. Of Agile if Coffee. If you haven't listened to his podcast, give you it a should listen. listen. Listen to his podcast. Vic, Vic is our friend. Yes. And and I would love to dominate the um, the gathering. You know yeah, that. Yeah. Where's it? San Diego. San Diego. Oh man, beaches. Yeah. Uh, me and a speedo. 
<laughs> and, and a video Everybody medic. just canceled their registration. They are calling right now. <laughs> They're calling this room <laughs> gathering. It's like, give me my money back. No, no. Bob Galen in a Speedo. <laughs> because that's how you're going to do your presentations, right? I'm, I think I'm going to do that. Okay. I, I think I'm going to sort of – and I'll, I'll do a 360. You I won't should do, do one in a Speedo. It just won't be full frontal. I'll do like full sidle and oh. full, full backle. <laughs> 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 I'm going to go into the submission system and withdraw all of my submissions. <laughs> Metacasters, there's, if you've listened enough, there's certain times where I can actually shut Josh down and he gets speechless. That was just one of those times. He didn't have uh, – yeah, yeah, yeah. He just shakes his little head. Yeah. Uh, and he puts up with me. So, yeah. so, that, uh, so next year, uh, look for us at the uh, – Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hello, the bat phone is ringing. The bat phone is ringing. Is someone, yeah. is someone canceling their gathering? It's someone from San Juan Capistrano, California. They're calling because they heard live that you're going to wear a Speedo, and they're calling right now to my office to make sure I don't let that happen. But in all seriousness, next year, uh, Gathering, Josh and I are trying to stage ourselves uh, uh, to be there and to be really active, maybe do a – not maybe, we're trying – well – even if we don't get it as a track talk, we can do some Metacast from the gathering. Yeah. You know that? What we want to do, we want to do a live Q&A session. On, as, and record it as a Metacast. As a session at the Scrum Gathering. <sighs> record it. But the also Bob and Josh show live? live? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Live. 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 We could even do one. We could do a live show. It doesn't have to be there. We could just have a live show and... People could tweet in questions or something. We'd have to get get it a little bit more advanced notice, but do you want to do that sometime? We can do that, yeah. Oh, you know what? We, let's do that. Okay. That's, I can put it in my newsletter and stuff. Yeah. So we can do that. Uh, other than that, uh, end you of the year, Josh. First. Uh, other than that, end of the year, Thanksgiving, turkey, turkey Christmas. Yeah. I'm dressing up. Yeah. I, I'm white. I'm, I'm growing my beard out. I'm going to do the. I'm going to do the ho ho thing. You know, yeah. I can make a few extra bucks you by can. I, by having kids sit in my. You know, you can You've bring got, your kids in and sit them on my lap, and and I'll talk to them and I promise them stuff. You've got the build. I. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, he shuts me down as well. Yes. yes. So other than that, let's um, let's lead him into the uh, into the yeah. podcast. So get us feedback on topics as always. Uh, feedback uh, on reviews and things. Um, so we're looking for your financial help, but we're also looking just for your feedback, passing the word around. We your are on network support. Network support, babe. It is. It is. It's really important to get the word out because we're we keep finding we keep getting feedback that it's making a difference. Yep. So it's just getting the word out and making sure folks are aware of the Metacast as a resource. So without further ado, let's on, okay. to the on, to, on to the episode. Product ownership, what does great look like? Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Boo ya. Boo. <laughs> Boo freaking ya. I was wondering yeah. where that was. I got, I, got, I got a little nervous there for a second. Yeah, it was, it was, I was tossing it about. You were queued up and ready to fire I was. I was ready to go. Hey, Metacasters, Welcome. We have a topic today, Josh. We do. It's I'm excited. I'm excited about it. We always have. We something. actually even talked about this before we got in the room. I know. We prepared ourselves. That's right. Well, are you getting full of yourself? I hope not. No. Go be good. <laughs> no. Are we getting cocky? I hope we're not getting no. cocky. No. Uh, so what are we talking about, Josh? Product ownership and what excellent excellence looks like. What does a rock star? 
who would be a rock star that we could say? I'm, I'm totally out of it, right? I'd say Ozzy Osbourne, but he can barely articulate his yeah. name. Yeah. Right? I don't think he'd be a great product. No. <laughs> I can imagine you being a big Justin Bieber fan. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you have a moose on your hat. He's no, from Canada. No, no. no right? No, so that, no. So that I, am not well. a, I am not a Bieber fan. You're not I'm a trying. believer? Right, no, no. You just you set that up, didn't you? Yeah, you just enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not one of those. No, no. Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay. What is a, What does a rock star product owner yeah. look like? What are the attributes? What are the characteristics? What are the behaviors? And we're not going to talk about anti patterns. We're going to talk about excellence patterns. So these are going to be patterns of excellence. Why don't you tee up? I'm a little biased, right? This is this is. Uh, an area where I have even more. When you say biased, do you mean long-winded? Long-winded is what I really meant to say. <laughs> this is an area where I could dominate the entire conversation. Because you've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to call this out as something different? Yeah. So and it's just it's a, you know it's my passion, right? I, I, yeah. This is one of those. You areas have books. That, you've written books. I've written a book. I'm, I'm, I'm writing another. Author. I'm writing another edition of this book too. I'm excited. Holy I'm crap. getting re-energized around product ownership. Because it changes. I am intimidated. Don't be. Don't be. I am. Because you you live in the real world. I live in Galen land. And it's not a pretty place. <laughs> it's not it's not a sane place. So what do you got? What would be what so, would be and they don't have to be in any order. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I was thinking of of what when I see a great product owner and I'm lucky enough to work with a couple. Um, and what I've seen the characteristics turned out to be a lot of the things we've talked about team members in an agile team. So I think of listen first. There's Ooh. a lot of product owners that don't do that, but the ones that listen first, we actually had one that she sent an email to a portion of the product team and it, and she termed it as a rant, but it really wasn't a rant. It was trying to get folks to go through the, change that she went through where she started to listen to the team and the developers and the ideas they had and how we could solve the problem differently than she had this vision in her mind. And it was a really great story and I got really excited and expressed my thanks and love and admiration and everything about what she had said. Um, but I think it starts with just listening first and knowing you don't always have the right answers, but you can help the team get to the right answers. Can I can I preempt that, though, with something? Yeah. It almost sounds like that product owner could go into a room, be silent, and then just shut up and listen, and some miraculous thing bubbles up from the team. I, I don't think it's – I don't think you're saying that. I think, I think the product owner has to tee up ideas, yep. tee up solutions, tee up – problems customer problems and then shut up and listen to some degree but if they don't tee them up properly then they're not going to get that innovation that innovative dialogue with the team so what do you think about that so it's effective teeing things up in the right way knowing right. their team right and then listening and embracing what the team has to say right so there's certainly that key part of setting the stage of helping the team really understand the business need that we're trying to solve and getting that and getting it crystal clear with every member of that team and getting them to and then listening and then on the opposite end one of the things we've talked about is having courage having courage to say yes I like that idea yes let's try that 
or no, that's not going to work, and here's why, and having the courage to challenge and be a part of the discussion after the listening happens. But, but being able to have that courage to jump into the fray and throw out ideas or dismiss an idea because it doesn't meet acceptance criteria X, Y, and Z, and being comfortable getting in there and having that discussion and being part of the conversation. I love that. So that's a nice thread that we just explored. I'm going to come back. I'm going to key off of courage, and I'm going to talk um, about saying no. So Mm -hmm. remember that that Nieberg uh, video, 15-minute video, most important word. There's a quote, Metacaster is in this. There's a wonderful video by Enric Nieberg, um, and we can put a link maybe on the Metacast to it. It's like 15 minutes. It's a little cartoony. Uh, but it's about the role of the product owner. And in the, sort of in the middle, he says the most important word for the product owner is no. That saying yes is easy. Right. Uh, but but a good product owner has to know what to divert, has to know. That's actually the mark of a great product owner is is saying no. In my classes, I always soften that because people get scared. <laughs> They're just – everyone puckers up when you talk about saying no, uh, at least in my classes and in my coaching. So whenever I say that, I have to soften it. It's like, oh, no, no, you're not saying no. You're, you're giving the business a choice. You're saying, I use the, the matrix metaphor. It's like mm-hmm. you're giving them the red pill or the blue pill. Right. You're not telling them no. You're just asking them to choose red or blue. And that softens it. People are like, ah, okay, I get that. I, maybe I can do that. Uh, I think I over-soften it. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I literally. That was going to be, like, I was just going to jump in and challenge you. Like, like, I feel like you're. You're not giving them what they need to hear. They need to hear no. Right. They need to embrace the no. Uh, In my experience, it's probably 50% of the asks should be no's Mm -hmm. uh, because product owners are inundated with with stuff from C-level folks, from customers, from salespeople. Every 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 feature is going to generate eight billion. You've seen. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you probably live Absolutely. this every day here at the dude. Yeah, uh, and someone has to guide through all of that crapola and figure out what are we trying to achieve from a product perspective, and that journey needs a lot of nos, right? And thoughtful and trust and building trust. And then having the courage to say no, we we just don't have the time to do that. Or if we do that, we're going to have to say no to something else, mm-hmm. right? We have to make a trade off, right? And and that's a no as well. Being very clear, mm-hmm. it's it's and soft. Do you think I'm doing them a disservice with my matrix? I, I'm now that I'm talking. I feel like you are. I am. I should be harder. Yeah. But their little heads are going to explode. You know that every time I look in their little eyes, and it's like when I no, I'm serious. You can tell me what say no to but, the to the CTO. But to me, that's like softening some of the other core tenets of Agile or Scrum, right? Of saying, well, it's it, it's actually okay if you don't do this. You're you're right. I can't believe I'm. Oh my God, Metacaster! Yes, oh, little guy. He's he's right. He's right, and I'm wrong. Yep. Uh, and yeah. So um, when you get that next check from your customer, make sure I, you yeah. I give you a residual. <laughs> <laughs> No. Every time you actually Every time. force them to say no in your training. I, ha- I it, have the Josh kickback built into my – I have to build it into my pricing model for God's sakes. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Like, it's it, worth it. Hey, it's like a royalty th- when this, you hear a song this advice, on the radio. This advice was worth your weight in gold. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> I know. That's why I said it that way. So I'll have to pay that back. Yeah. But would you buy – I would re- literally, back to seriousness, I think they say – 
they really have to winnow things down mm-hmm. into this critical stream of stuff. Uh, so I would add that as a, you know good product owners, and they do it in such a way that it's not threatening, yeah. right? They do it in a way that they're not alienating people. They're explaining it. Uh, maybe maybe a way to do that would be connecting it to capacity. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that this morning. Not related to this metacast, related to like a blog I'm writing. Yeah, and uh, I think backlog value. You know, it's too often we independently evaluate the value of a backlog. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about customer or ROI, but we don't necessarily connect it. Very few of the uh, valuation models connect it to the capacity of the team. Yeah. And the, you know what I'm saying? And I think you have to start connecting it to the capacity. So the no has to be connected to capacity. And so I'll, I want to go back and reiterate the listen and courage. And I equated it to when they're interacting with the Agile team. And then you started talking about when they're talking to the rest of the business that they need to bring those same skills and approaches to when they're meeting with sales, they're meeting with marketing, they're meeting with support and doing everything. Of They need to educate them because they know the sales need, but now maybe you educate them on capacity and then sit back and listen and then have the courage to jump into the fray. So to me, this is where it really paints that picture of this is the hardest role inside of Scrum because you have to do that same job in a myriad of directions, right? You have to do it with the Agile team. You have to do it with your customers. So let's say communication. Yeah. Another excellent product owners are Excel at 360-degree communication. Mm-hmm. And part of that, I'm just sort of triggering from you, part of that is 360-degree listening. So good listening, good communication. Right. In the four quadrants, when I wrote about the four quadrants of product ownership, there were two quadrants. One was project management and one was uh, leadership. Mm-hmm. And very often, if you read the Scrum Lit, they, it looks like the burden of communication is on the Scrum Master. It, it sort of does. If you look at the role of the Scrum Master, it, there's some communication stuff in there. And I, I, while I agree that the Scrum Master should, is a communicator, mm-hmm. is an outward, like, tidying up burn-down charts, is a communication device, is an information radiator, I, th- I think more of the burden of team or to organizational communication falls to the product owner. An excellent product owner right. does that. And, the, and to your point, they listen to the, I think you were saying this, um, they listen if they're getting the point across. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, they change their communication, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're chameleon-like when it comes to, are they getting it or not? If they're not getting it, then it's not shame on them, it's shame on me. What can I do to reframe the conversation mm-hmm. to connect the dots better? Would you buy that? So they really have to try their best to come up with a connection of dots that communicates, you know, to the organization. Right, because they're talking in a million different directions. So right. the picture they have to paint when they're laying the foundation for this feature we want to build to the development team is different than when they're talking to sales and marketing about, okay, this is the feature we're building and why and here's how it works. And I know it's it's different than what you thought, but it's better because of this. And the approach we took is better because now – the customers get this, and your job is easier because we did this, and everything goes along with that. So it's so it's really understanding the audience and painting the picture appropriately. I would I would buy that, and and that's I mean now we're getting into why everyone can't be a product owner, yeah. right? Or why it takes a long time for them to develop 
because this is a nuance. I mean, you have how much leadership experience? You have lots of leadership. Mm -hmm. I bet you struggle at effectively communicating organizationally in a 360-degree. I mean, people change. You have one boss one year, another boss comes in, or Mm -hmm. a new CEO. So it's not like it's a static landscape. It's a moving, you know, you have different uh, stockholders and things like that. So it's it's a moving landscape. So that's... That's hard, and I think the good ones, if they get that, we need to we need to really appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think as well. Yeah. So one of the things in saying no that I think people really struggle with is having a actually prioritized backlog. So if you have a backlog that is ranked one, two, three, four, not one, 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 right. one, but you but you actually do the work to validate that this is priority number one and here's why and can articulate that in all the directions we just talked about, that's a great product owner. This is number two. This is why it's number two. Sales gets it. This is, and this gets is it. the thinking. Customers behind, gets it. And it goes back to even capacity management, right. right? This is why it's number two. This is the discussions we had it briefly, mm-hmm. right? This is why this is one relative to two, relative to three, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and I would argue that if someone wants to replace that too, they can effectively communicate the ripple effect in that backlog. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like yeah. what's going to happen, not only in the backlog, Josh, but what about the, but what about to the release? Right. To, to, so there's the backlog, but there's also the connection of the backlog to external releases or commitments and things like that. I, I want to come back to what you said, a good team. You, you, you started out, I think, this way that many of the the aspects of a great team member or a great agile team member reflect onto a great product owner. Mm-hmm. Could I say something like uh, they're not assholes? <laughs> and, yeah. And they're – and well, there's this book I, I, I read a, a few years ago called The No Asshole Rule. Mm-hmm. And it said that the workplaces are filled with assholes. Right. It was, a, it was actually a Stanford <laughs> – a professor at Stanford wrote it. And he was talking about, you know, some companies actually culturally, they interview and they filter out ass. They, they have whatever they identify as the attributes of an asshole. Mm-hmm. And they, they actively in the interview prevent them from coming in. And when they do come in, they, they actively try to get them away because it corrupts the culture right. of the organization. So it's not the word that they're triggering on. It's the behavior of these people, whatever, whatever attributes they have. And I, I would say good, great product owners are great team members. They're fun to be around. They're, they're good communicators, but they're simple communicators. They're not Stanford PhD, you know, MBA grads. Right, and, and, and they, they, they are a part of the team. So the team, to your point, enjoys having them, wants them to be a part of the discussion because they add value. They're invited they're for beers. If they're the team, nice. Right, if the teams yeah. go out for beer, yeah. and, and if the product owner drinks beer, right. they're, they, they're invited along, right? They're there's a natural cohesion, and it's not just at the team level. Uh, managers, you like hanging out with mm-hmm. them. Uh, they get it. Right. Uh, ethically, they work hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. They're in the game. With, it's not about them. It's about the team. It's about driving so results. So to go classic, they feel more pig than chicken. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's not – the role says it. The scrum guide says they're in it. But I see a lot of aloof product owners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That yeah. they're really not yeah. – they're not in the game with yeah. the team. Yeah. They're sort of around it. They're mm-hmm. they're sort of circling around it. Well, and there's a lot of pictures that, that 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 paint. So, like, if you go and search Scrum teams and product owners and 
how a team is formed and built and the way they operate, the product owner often is outside the bubble or is painted on the edge of the bubble right. as something slightly different. I get what they're trying to say, but that also gets interpreted by people of, oh, I'm not really a part of the team. When you are a part of the team, you are a huge portion of that team. Absolutely. And you have responsibilities, you have accountabilities, uh, you have behavior. But again, don't you can't let it get full of yourself. You can't be full of yourself. The other thing I would say is handle pressure. The great ones, um, so back to saying no. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a, it's, it's a really tough role in a lot of organizations where there's so much, most of my clients that I see on first introduction, one of the dynamics is there's just tremendous pressure downward to the product owners to make the teams produce more stuff. It's just the way it is. Right. Right. The organization looks at they slightly look at the scrum masters, but they really look at the product owners as being like the taskmasters with little whips to whip the teams into producing more stuff. If they don't, then it's it's not just the team, it's it's personal they are personally accountable for that from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good ones I think handle that. I mean they'll push back on it, they might look for organizational assistance. Uh, maybe coaches to sort of resolve. That's not healthy. Yeah. But at the same time, if they're getting that, they don't pass it through. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes back to the no asshole rule to some degree. They just can, they take the pressure of the role, and there's pressure on our other roles. Uh, there's architectural pressure on getting designs right. right. So you can work with people who succumb to the pressure or people who can sort of tolerate the pressure and, and then have the results are an effective flow. So I would, I would say handle the pressure in an effective way, which is really hard. Uh, it's probably the hardest role. I would say it's probably harder than even right, so, management. So something I want to dig into is what does that look like, right? Because to me, that's easy for you and I to say. How does somebody out there recognize someone does that well? We do it intuitively, but things I'm thinking of is when something hits the fan and it goes sideways or – a, we have end sprints go bad or we have a new requirement that comes in last minute. How are they going to do that? Are they going to panic? Are they going to, in a calm manner, get to the facts, get emotion out? Well, you just hit it, yeah. right? I think, I think it's, it's, there's, and again, we're not categorizing, but I think it's knee jerk and panic or calmly figure it out in your role, mm-hmm. center yourself in your role Center yourself in your backlog. Center yourself in your, with your team. Right. So surround yourself with your team. The teams are really helpful with that. So the good ones don't just do it by themselves. Right. They get their team with them and around them to help them figure out what the options are. Mm-hmm. But they do it in the same way versus right. just you know splitting off. The other thing is then passing it through. The other anti-pattern would be just pass that pressure to the team and say, here, suck it up. Right. You have to do this. Yeah. It, it has to be done by next Tuesday. And just shut up. Right? It has to be done by next Tuesday. Right. And so going back to the communication role of that product owner, if something goes wrong and they're asked to figure something out or to make a miracle happen, which is really what it usually comes down to, is we need a miracle. Right. Or somebody made a commitment or a decision or something that puts us in a position where the only path to success is a miracle. What I've seen works well is what you talked about is that they gather the team and they clearly communicate the issue and educate them on what the situation is and then work together as a group to define the best path forward. So maybe that's maybe that's sort of a better way to 
that's the response. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a lone ranger. Right. In fact, you could be panic. Panic is one anti-pattern. Being a lone ranger is another anti-pattern. You take the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. The best ones are leaders. Mm-hmm. They are the product. You know, I'm not, you are the product owner. It's not by committee, but you surround yourself with your team. Right. And because you've built those relationships and the trust factors with your team, and, and you can actually challenge them under pressure, mm-hmm. and they can respond to that. So that that would be, to me, sort of that mark of excellence. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you buy that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was trying to get to is for folks that are out there and they're listening to this, and when they get to that situation, what, what tools, what nuggets can we give them to say, okay, this is how I should act, or look and say, oh, holy crap, I'm panicking. <laughs> what right. should I do? Right. And and the other thing here is is say no. I mean, it's sort of embrace, and this could come from that collaboration with the team, is, you know, if you're within two days of the end of a sprint, you could say, can't we wait? Or I've decided that we will wait. Mm-hmm. And the reason is it's going to take the team longer than that to check everything in and to check things out and to then move from what we're doing to fixing that. We mm-hmm. just can't spin on a dime. So sort of that's part of part of the no is is sharing the rationale behind it, right. sharing the impact behind things. I think I think executives always have this overly simplistic view of the world, uh, of capacity, of turning on a dime. In fact, I think agile probably exacerbates this. Mm-hmm. They think if yeah, they go like, agile, oh, yeah. oh, we're agile, so we can spin. Why can't we spin on a molecule and just change directions instantaneously right. and have it be cost free because we're agile right. or we've invested in continuous integration? And, and that's not the case. So it's it's. But it, then that goes back to everything we talked about: having the courage to stand up and say, "Here's the cost. Yep. Here's what we've spent to build X that you're putting on the shelf." That's not going to get to the customer. That's not going to get us the value, the return of investment. Everything. Here's the delay in transitioning from X to Y, yep. and everything. And here, to your point, also, here's how it affects the roadmap. Yep. So, the thing that I work through with my teams and everything with this is that I can comfortably and confidently stand up in front of them and explain why. Yep. Because it's just a group of smart, logical people. Yep. That if you give them the facts. They might not like it, but they can see, okay, I get why we're doing this. I understand now. So I think the product owner has to do the same thing to where they are comfortable and confident to stand up in front of that team and say, okay, folks, here's what's happening. Here's where we need to go, and here's why. And if they can do that, usually to do that, you have to have the courage to challenge a C-level person or a boss or something to say, I don't understand why. Tell me why this doesn't make sense. I feel like we should be doing this. Or having the courage to have that discussion. Agreed. Maybe an extension of that. I just had this thought about a, an old story. When I was working at um, Deutsche Bank, there were two product owners there. So there were like four or five scrum teams. There were two product owners sharing the role. There were about 15 stakeholders around the world, uh, different executives of different banks. Mm-hmm. Um, with different, it was a currency trading system or something that they were developing, or a currency. Some, so so different currencies came into play. Um, every one of those stakeholders had their own prioritized backlog. Uh, so there were there were fifteen ones and fifteen twos mm-hmm. and fifteen threes right. and fifteen fours. For about six months, those product owners, it was their responsibility to prioritize. So they would diligently listen. They would get fourteen. They would get multiple conference calls. They would get the shit kicked out of them, basically, in every because con- they couldn't please everyone. Mm-hmm. 
So for six months, they were managing the capacity of the team against the backlog, and try. And it was their responsibility to deliver all the ones and then the twos and the threes. So they were negotiating. They were personally responsible for delighting 15 people, mm-hmm. uh, and they failed. Mm-hmm. They failed miserably at it. They couldn't do it. I mean, it wasn't them, but right. no one was trying to fire them, but they were failing, and the stress was going up. And and then I noticed that they did something. I don't know if I suggested it. I may have given them a little hint. I said, why don't you throw the ball back into their court? And said, so these are business. These are your business stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You're taking. You're you're actually taking the monkey off their back. You're taking all the prioritization and delivery on you. I said, why don't you throw them in a room, give them some planning or value poker cards, and make them duke it out instead of have you duke it out. So I want to put this twist out there. We just talked about having the courage to say no. Uh, maybe also have the courage to say you all decide. Right. It's not my job. You, you are. I'm getting so much information from all of you imp- impotent people that I can't. I, I can't. We can't deliver to that, and I can't make decisions. And so I don't know what the right decision is. Right. Yeah. You are the stakeholders. Yeah. They did that, and they had a beautiful. I mean, it was rocky in the mm-hmm. in the very beginning. I've been there. But very quickly, yeah. very quickly, it put the monkey on their back, and 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 those people could make business decisions. Yeah. And those people could come up with a one to end backlog. That that was the right decision, not for each person, but for the business. Do you know you're, what you're doing is making them yeah, I, be business people. So I had the same situation. The, the first time I ever did Agile and didn't really know it was it was an insurance company. We were building software to run the whole company. And claims wanted this feature and underwriting wanted this feature and customer service wanted this feature. And they wanted me to put it in order. I said, I, I don't have the knowledge to properly put these in order. So we got the VPs from each of those areas and I put them in the room said, here's everything you want us to build. What's the right order for us as a company, not for you and your department. Exactly. What's the right order exactly. for us as a company to solve these problems in. And then we did that. And, and again, it was rocky, right? Because like, well, no, that's your job. Like, okay, it's my job, but I'm going to fail if you want me to do that. Just like those folks were failing. Well, you're actually promoting yeah. me. What are you, what are you guys saying? <laughs> are you saying that I am the new CEO of this company? No, you're not saying that. You're not abdicating right. to me. If you want to abdicate to me, then then I can make those decisions, right. and then you shut up. Right. But that's not what you're saying, right? So I, I would add that twist to it as well. No, having the courage to sort of say, you all have to do this. You have to do your job. So in order for me to do my job, mm-hmm. you have to do your job. Right. You have to behave in your role. What else? You got something else? I think we've covered the major... I feel pretty good about I it. I feel pretty good about the points we've covered. This is that that excellent. Oh, one more. I'm going to write a competing book. You can, you can. <laughs> uh, one more, I would say, learn. I would I, let's wrap it up with learning. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you have to. Yeah. The role of product owner is deep and broad. Don't get full of yourself. So the good ones don't get full of themselves. They they're constantly they're learning. They're looking for different techniques for prioritization. They're looking at different. They're reading my book incessantly. They're buying multiple copies and handing them out to their friends. Yeah, wearing moose no, hats. Yeah, that was probably self-serving. No, was it? Uh, no, 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 wasn't it? No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no but they're they're learning. They're attending workshops, like story mapping workshops. They're mm-hmm. they're thinking about the craft. So they're they're craftspeople when it comes to product ownership, right. which to my argument is exactly what the team should be doing. Exactly, right in their own piece oh my, of that. Oh my god, that came back full circle, it Josh. Did. Yeah, baby. But yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. We started with a booyah. We end with a booyah. We end with a booyah. Yeah. Metacasters, I hope you got value in this one. This, yeah. I feel, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. So, Josh. Bob. From beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.